here with the Hollywood Life Podcast, and we are so excited today. We have got a very special and a very musical guest here with us in the podcast studio. So welcome, Chris Daudry of Daudry. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming and, and joining Ali and I. Ali, our on-air anchor and writer, and Nick, of course, our silent producer. Silent producer. So, welcome to New York City. Thank you. Um, you you played a concert last night at the famed Beacon Hall yes. Theater, and you have got a fabulous new album out called Cage to Rattle, and I love the singles. Thank you. Deep End and Backbone. Thank you very much. She's been listening to them. I I know. The whole office has been listening to them. Have you, have you heard the rest of the record? I have not sampled too much of the rest of the record, but you can tell us all about it. Oh, no, no. I was just interested if, if you had any other personal favorites. Well, I have to say, I keep, I've had Deep End on repeat. Okay. In fact, it's kind of some of my uh, seatmates have gotten kind of... Um, a little annoyed. Yeah, a little yeah, annoyed I, with me I, here I, in I the Hollywood it. Life newsroom. She really, she just, she plays it for the masses. She yeah. Just, just is, like, is that rocks the out. morning walk-in music every time someone... <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, well, I, I would like probably be annoyed what... hearing me over and over too. <laughs> well, what was it inspired by, Deep End? I mean, it sounds like a relationship. Yeah, you know what? That, that song came in a little late in the game when I was when we were making the record. Um, it's actually one of the songs on the record that I didn't really um, like. It was kind of written ahead of time. Um, it was brought to me from the label, and they were like, "Hey, what do you think of this song?" And at first, I didn't like it at all. Really? Why uh, not? Um, maybe because of the way it was presented, and the fact that I'd been working on this record for uh, almost two years, and I'm like, "Why are you bringing me this song when I've got all of these?" But at the same time, I was open to um, to listening to it and and seeing if I found any kind of connection to it. And um, I ended up going, hey, if 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 I can, you know, rewrite this part that I hate, you know, maybe I can find my myself in the song. So I did. Um, but I, for me, it was like there was a lot of um, there's a lot of self-doubt that went into this record. I think most, as a whole, as whole a record. whole, just because um, I think being away from the scene for a while and, and it took um, it. Our, our last record was in 2013. So that's essentially five years have passed. And you get into this, this headspace of like, is what I'm doing even relevant anymore? <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or is what I like even going to matter? Right, after and resonate. This? Yeah, and I started to feel like, you ever see Straight out of Compton? You know, mm-hmm. like Dr. Dre worked on this yes. record for like two years and then he just scrapped the whole thing. Like I saw that happening in my head. I'm like, this this record's never going to come out. We've been working on it forever. And I think a lot of that emotion went into the song. Right, that anxiety. Like I had to like just give myself up to the process and and dive into the deep end of my emotions (laughs) well it really sounded like that i mean you you i i feel you singing that but it didn't even it felt like a song that came from you and i kept thinking it had to be about your relationship because you've got a such a happy marriage and family like you're in the deep end oh i'm in the deep end for sure (laughs) we i mean we've been married for almost 18 years now wow whoa Uh, a lot of kids you're so young wait you're like 38 yeah. Are you? Wow. Married at 20? Th- yeah, yeah. I'll be 39 this year. That is a deep end. That's very yeah, young for a guy I'm, to get I think married. I'm, I'm, I'm drowning. 
No. I'm, I'm almost 40. It's over. No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. No, no my wife's 45, so. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of that frustration and, and self doubt and everything kind of played it played its hand in that song, and um, it, it, it's how I kind of connected with it, and and it made me kind of give into the process and just allow it to be, and you know, working with a different producer and all this, all these different variables. Um, living in Nashville now, which was mm-hmm. another whole new. Uh, change of scenery for us so yeah um yeah all of that so why why <laughs> did how come you went away for so long like you didn't really go away because yeah. we saw you um Feel on, like in it, the what was it the passion yeah we yeah. were touring right pretty much non-stop even when we weren't uh promoting a record we were still like getting picked up for tours or or we were doing some one-offs here and there but so all of that like made me think that it wasn't that long since we put a record out and I realized like, oh shit, like it's, if we start the record now, by the time we get it done, it's going to be close to five years. Yeah. What the hell are we doing? So, um, a lot of the, some, there's some songs on this record that were written in 2015. So there's some old wow. songs, like one I wrote with my wife, um, is I think the oldest song on the record it, it it's called is, As You Are. Right. So it is a long process. That's the one you need to listen okay, to. Okay, as you are. Yeah. Okay, and tell put tell, that put it put that in your memory banks. Okay, well, we're going to listen to that as soon as we finish, right, All Allie? Right. Yes, absolutely. Now, why did you think that this was the right time for the album to come out, like as opposed to last year or even three years ago? Well, uh, we the right time would have been, uh, to, in my eyes, would have been uh, a lot sooner. But uh-huh. it once we started. Um, we once we've got the process going, we're like, here's our producer, here's here's the schedule, here's what we're shooting for. Then um, we ended up going out on a, another summer tour with with Nickelback, which was a huge, huge run for us, which was great because we were, you know, we got a chance to play a couple of new songs and kind of get people's attention again, right? Get reconnected. Um, but that was halfway through the record. And we had already recorded like four or five tunes. And now we're like, oh, another wrench in the spokes, another another setback. And then once we got off the road, his schedule was, uh, Jakir, our producer, his schedule had to, you know, um, he had some other acts that he was working on. And, and it was a whole scheduling conflict. And it just felt like one thing right, after kept another kept perpetu- perpetuating the date. So... Um, it was we were hoping to get it out last year and and so that didn't happen but now tell us about as you are you said you wrote it with your yeah. wife what's that about um so my wife uh she has uh, and your wife's called Deanna 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 for those who didn't know um she uh she wanted to um or or as a kid she loved writing lyrics she's always been obsessed with lyrics so like she would write these poems or things down her thoughts and and uh, I, a while back, uh, years ago, she had brought me these lyrics and and uh, was like, "If you if you you know if you get anything from this or want to write something or whatever," and I was kind of dismissive about it. Like, Why? Like. I write the songs in this house. Oh, <laughs> no. I didn't, oh, that's I did, a little sexist. It is. It is. It's terrible. And I didn't say that, but I think I had that oh. kind of um, 
I think I had that kind of ego about it. Like, like, oh, you're stepping into my territory, you know? Yeah. And I felt like a dick. And, <laughs> Good. And no, awful. And so years, you know, fast forward years later, we're living in LA and she um, uh, brought me these lyrics into the kitchen. And I was like, not going to do it this time. Not going to dismiss this. Oh, I'm, good. I'm like, okay. I'm going to take, learned. I'm going to, I'm going to learn my lesson here and I'm going to read mm-hmm. these. And I started crying. Like it, it, it like affected me so hard. And, um, and I immediately had this chorus in my head and I went to work on it and I didn't show it to her until I was finished writing it. And, and, uh, she bawled and it was, it was a pretty special moment. So, um, it's, what's it about? Uh, it's about accepting everything about someone. Mm-hmm. It's about everything. So she brought you a beautiful love she song. She brought me these lyrics that that, about that your, I know that she was dealing with um, personally, and um, and yeah, it was a it was a it was a pretty amazing connection. Now, had she been a song? Was she a songwriter before? Like when you met? I don't like- think she she views herself as a songwriter as much as she views herself as a writer. Like she. Um, has a way with words and, and, and writes these things down. And I take the pieces of the puzzle and start to put it together. And like, so it wasn't like as, as she wrote it on a piece of paper, that's not the song. It was like, there were things about it that really started jogging my, my, or getting my gears turning. And, and, uh, and the, the lyric, I love you as you are was, was the basis of what she wrote. And, um, and so it kind of, took a whole new life of its own yeah I've always been really interested in the songwriting process because I think it's just a really kind of out there concept Mm -hmm. because sometimes you're literally thrown into a room with someone you don't know and have to kind of yeah let all your feelings out like a therapy session but sometimes it comes so naturally with just how you feel and just like in a moment in time or like driving down the street you see something that inspires you and I think that becomes the best and I think this song is is exactly that like I I have a handful of songs that I feel like were given to me Mm -hmm. meaning like they fell in my lap I didn't really have to work hard for it. And it Do you was, mean given to the by someone like, else? Or by the universe. Came, oh, like by it the just, universe. It just like, like I picked up a guitar and it was like, I, it wrote itself in a way. September was one of them. Um, home. Mm. Uh, and and those are the ones that, that tend to connect the yeah. most with, with the fan base and, and people in general. And I think this song, As You Are, is, is that song for this record. Now, when you were growing up, when did you realize that you had this gift or that the songs like would come out from the universe? Like, how did that all start for you? I think for me, it was all about singing. Um, The songwriting kind of uh, took place a little later and and started developing over time. Um, I wrote songs when I was a teenager, but they were terrible. (laughs) Um, Some of them, you know what? I I won't say terrible because I, I, I actually always felt like I had a knack for melody. So I was all, and I was always a sucker for a pop melody and, and pop radio growing up as a kid. Um, I was always intrigued by a catchy song, you know, whether it be Rick Astley, never going to give you up or or like old time rock and roll from Bob Seger. Like there was, I was always drawn to a good melody. So that was always the basis of my songwriting. Mm -hmm. I didn't really start paying attention to lyrics until like, I became an adult and I realized that, oh shit, these words matter because I was into bands like Tool and, and, you know, uh, a lot of the grunge bands at the time where 
you didn't really pay attention to what they were saying. It was just, it sounded cool. Yeah. Um, and then you'd read it later and go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what, what am I singing here? And so I think, uh, you know, as I got married, I grew, you know, I was forced to kind of grow up when I got married and I'm, I'm taking on two kids that, that, you know, weren't mine and they were two and four and wow. it just kind of like forced me to grow up. I started like really paying attention to the, to the, uh, storytelling of, of songwriting, like, um, Elton John, Bernie Toppin, you know, going back and listening to all the bands that, and, and artists that actually inspired the artists that I grew up listening to. And I was like, oh yeah, kind of has to mean something <laughs> in order for people to really feel a connection right, to it. So yeah. I think, um, I think that was when it really started to make sense to me. And then writing that first record was a huge learning experience, working with other writers and helping me kind of take what I did and, and, and hone those, those skills in a more, um, more focused direction. Now, but when you said that it started for you with singing, so yeah. were you like, as a kid or a teenager, did you sing a lot? Were you in the school choir? Like, I, I was not in the choir, I but I did, choir boy. <laughs> I, I sang along to the radio a lot. And I just thought that, um, I, I thought that I could emulate really well, but I thought most people could sing. So I didn't think it was anything special. Um, and I remember, uh, I was a, a buddy of mine in high school. He was a year ahead of me. He had a guitar. He was playing in class one day and I think he was playing like some Soundgarden, which was what I was into at the time pretty heavily. So I was intrigued and I grew up around music my whole life. My dad played guitar. My granddad played guitar. Uh, and I just never had an interest. They played, you know, a lot of the old, old school country music like Merle Haggard and, mm. and, and stuff like that. And I just... I was like, oh, that's cool, but it just never really grabbed me. And so now, at, in my teens, I'm into this this music, and and I see someone that I can relate to, and they're playing the stuff that I that I dig, and all of a sudden, there's this interest. And I went from wanting to be an actor and a, and a comic book artist to like, oh, maybe I maybe I want to do this. And I, he was playing um, this song. Oh, actually, actually. Um, uh, we were in algebra class and my teacher, I guess he, he ran out of things to do that day. <laughs> he was this young guy. We were, I actually credited him on, on my first record as, as part of the reason I'm here because mm-hmm. he gave us all this assignment to like write a song or a poem with whatever terms we were learning that week in math In math. That's right? interesting. That's great, Just that's completely creative. out I mean, of the blue. Yeah. Creative. And I was like, oh shit, we need to do this for real. Like, let's do like a power ballad. And like, and I was thinking it as a joke. And I'm like, oh, that means I'm going to have to like actually sing in front of someone. I've never done that. So he came over to my house and we started uh, working on this song. And I started singing. He goes, dude, he like stopped playing guitar. He's like, you sound like Tracy Chapman. <laughs> like, you should totally be a singer. I'm like, I love Tracy Chapman. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was so uncomfortable that I was like keeping everything down here. And I was, yeah, it was like Fast Car and Eddie Vedder. Um, And um, I was, I I wasn't really, I I wasn't sure of myself at the time, but um, as far as what I was capable of doing or not doing or whatever, but um, I kind of got hooked and we, and we performed it the next day in class and, and next thing I know, like 
the teacher's like bringing us in for his next periods and his next period. And we're like doing this song in front of his class ever for like four or five periods. And, um, and I kind of fell in love with it and we started a band together, uh, or he was in a band and, and I kind of came along and, and was another singer. They had like three singers. <laughs> we were doing like covers and stuff like that. And then I ended up, uh, quitting that and starting my own band, but still using his garage to, <laughs> to practice it because we didn't have a garage in my house. Garages and, are uh, very So Robert important. Nesbitt is, uh, is definitely uh, him and, and Mr. Schultz. <laughs> Mr. Ron Schultz are like the two catalysts. The That's the math teacher, They're, Mr. Ron Mr. Schultz. Mr. Ron Schultz, who still comes out to shows, by the way. Uh, he, was, he, he was a super young dude like in, when I was in high school. And is he still at the high school teaching? No, no. He, he, well, he's still a teacher, but he's in, he's in Pennsylvania now. But... Um, where he's from and I lived in Virginia at the time oh, okay. but yeah that was kind of like the the moment that 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 took my interests away from being an artist um like I, literal artist like, a I, cartoon yeah, I, was, artist. I was such a uh, like from the time I was a little kid that's how I identified myself I was an artist so it was always weird for me to think like I gotta tell people I'm a singer now and they don't yeah. know this about me and they've known me my whole life you know this that weird like identity thing that you're like are they gonna clown on me are they gonna you know they all oh, choir boy like you just yeah, said right. but i didn't do it I, I did end up going into uh, musical theater though i did uh, oh. i did uh the whiz i was the scarecrow <laughs> in the whiz and i was smee and peter pan and yeah so that kind of like set me on a path of uh, the stage and how did you go from that how did you then end up in american idol which is really where you became like yeah. a household name I, I it's simple i did the same thing for almost 10 years and felt like i was going nowhere spinning doing wheels mus- yeah doing wi- musical theater no 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 I, I was still playing i was in a band i was playing in clubs and and um i started in virginia and then when i moved back to north carolina when i met my wife i kind of took a break from it for a minute and um and I just, I felt like it, like I was doing a lot of work, but there was not a lot of yield. And I was uh, working a day job and then I was playing. What was your day job? I was at the time, well, gosh, let's see. At first I was, I was like a, um, a delivery guy at Rent-A-Center. <laughs> and, uh, or no, actually before that I was selling Kirby vacuums from door to door. Oh gosh. my God. And, and then you I. You were a vacuum cleaner salesman. salesman yeah. I didn't even uh, yeah, know they had yeah. those anymore. Well, they don't. But <laughs> that, back was, in two thousand and two thousand one, that's you know that seventeen ago. years yeah, ago. Okay. Um, God, that's a long time. Um, I was five. <laughs> oh, Allie, don't make us feel even older than we are. Okay. And officially <laughs> feeling super. Not too bad. But um, but and then I worked at a car dealership as a service guy. I, I didn't work on cars. I was the guy that like told you how much it was going to cost to fix your car. Uh-huh. Um, I, and I didn't know what I was doing. But, um, and so, yeah. Um, and then playing these had, gigs at night. And yeah. Stuff. And it just felt like. Um, wasn't really, and this was before YouTube was huge and before you could, you know, film yourself on your phone and put it out there for everybody to see. So I was basically begging people to come see me. And then, uh, my wife kept saying, you know, you need to go, you're better than this. You need to like 
go out. This is how old, how old I feel now. You have to go out for like star search or something like that. I know star yeah. search. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And and uh, American Idol was around at the time, but at the time it was very like very. Um, I, I remember watching them when they were singing the tracks, and there was no band on stage, and it was all you know bubblegum yeah. pop songs and or old standards or whatever. Yeah, and I was they did just a like, lot of old standards. Like, no way in hell I'm gonna do this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And so this thing came up called Rockstar NXS um, that that this show that came out in 2003 or four. You remember the band NXS? Yes. And so they were trying to replace oh, Michael that's Hutchins. Right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that show. They were trying to find a new lead singer. Yes. So I auditioned for that and got a private audition with the producers and all this. And I thought that was going to happen. And it didn't. They were, They ended up saying like, I think, um, I think, I actually think they did me a favor. They said something like, we love you, but I don't think this would work out for you as, as much as, as, uh, you th- I think this would actually hurt you or something to that effect. And at the time, uh, I was like deflated and a uh, new season of American Idol came out a couple months later and had like Carrie Underwood and Bo Bice and, and Constantine Maroulis and, um, which was more like, oh, this is not, it's not what I do, but at the same time, it's not what I'm used to seeing, which means maybe there is room for someone like myself. And so I, I, I went out and I auditioned. Wait, which and, city did you go to uh, first? I went to Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. because um, I was living in North Carolina and the uh, closest location was going to be Memphis. And Katrina happened. So oh, they so right. they canceled the audition in Memphis because they were housing everyone in the the FedEx form or whatever all the um, um, people uh, you know they're using it as a shelter and uh, so they canceled that audition and I was like well the next one is in Denver Colorado and I don't know what other chance I'm gonna have so um, they raised money for me at my job oh my to oh, like fly so me nice. out there and. At the car dealership. At the car dealership. (laughs) They pass around a bucket. Yeah. And um, which was really, really cool. And and I was super grateful and am super grateful for that. And um, I I went and I auditioned and I got in, but they didn't. It's a weird thing because it's like three rounds of auditions before Mm -hmm. or two rounds of auditions before you, you got to Simon, Paula and Randy. And they I had to come back like two weeks later because of the whole schedule got screwed up when they canceled the other city. And, and then I fly back, um, and I, and I do their the audition there and I get in and then they, they, where add, was there like your second audition or your third one? Was it all in Denver? All in, I had to go oh, back, oh to Denver. back and forth to so Denver. Check it. Then they add a makeup city for the Memphis date. And it was in my backyard. Uh, it was in Greensboro, North oh Carolina, my God. but I had already made it in. So that allowed like them to Hollywood. To, yeah, you were going to Hollywood. So th- they wanted to come 
to my house and film a whole backstory because I had already yes. got in. So it worked out like so perfect because I could have slipped through the cracks easily in Greensboro. There were so many people they brought on the show from Greensboro that made it. Uh, Kelly Pickler, Kelly. Bucky Covington. Um, yeah. There was a few more that, that made it through. And, uh, and I was just like, man, I could have easily just somehow been in front of a different producer that day that it wouldn't have. Right. Who could have, have said, oh, we already got, yeah, yeah, all we already these got people. that. Yeah, yeah. We got that already. And it worked out. Yeah. So it was just it like was it the was the right meant, place, the right time. Right. It was, it was, so it was really meant yeah. to be. Now, you know, here's the thing you've been, so you got married at 20, which I really want to hear your, your love story of how you all met and how you met. Uh, but I mean, talk about somebody who stood by you. Like, no wonder she wrote that song for you because you were working, selling vacuum cleaners and oh, stuff. Oh, no, she, she and, reminds me every day. <laughs> I liked you when you were nobody. <laughs> well, that's like really yeah. important. It like, is, it's extremely important. I think about it all the time. Yeah. I see people, these young people in relationships, and I'm just like, how do you navigate through that mm -hmm. in this day and age, in this culture? And, in this Tinder and, life? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, it seems like so free and so fun. And then you're like, you don't know anything about anyone until you've been with them when they were nothing. And, and you've been through all the shit, the ups, the downs. And you had a lot of downs. Oh. When you especially when you started. Oh yeah. So how did okay. We had so, one last week. Oh, you had one last week. <laughs> I mean, how, you, are you married? Yes. How long? Oh, you don't want to know. No, I do want to longer know. than you. No, that's great though. Okay. So you know that it doesn't matter. There's always a season. There's always yes. there's always a hurdle. There's always something to get through. And that's how we grow as human beings. You know? Yeah. And and I I I've look at those times and they're huge growing points for both of us. And if you're able to stick through that and, and, and let each other be who they are, when they are, where they are, it's like amazing on the other side when you're able to accept that. And, and you know that person more than anyone else and vice versa. And that's a, that's a pretty comforting thing too. No, it's amazing. And it's not like settling. It's, it's like a, it's like a real like acceptance of each other, and that's what it's really supposed to be. It's know, not a controlling. Not... They, I need you to be this, or I wish you were this. You're not who I, you know. It's it's like you're here now. You're still on your journey as a human being, and so are you. And we're navigating it together, and we have kids, and, and we're trying not to screw them up, and <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure we've done. At least a couple of them. Oh, no. But I mean, <laughs> there's, there's definitely not enough of a Last celebration one. of long-term yeah. commitment and long-term marriage. And as opposed to, oh, I've got to try all these different people. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so to answer your question, like how we met, like yes. I was 20. I just, um, I'm such a relationship guy. I, was, I had just gotten over a five-year relationship. When I was 20, you know what that means? I was dating someone from the time I was 15, 15 to, 20, to 20. Oh, yeah. those are like awful years. Like, like if it just, you change a lot. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, I didn't know who I was and neither did she. And, and, uh, um, but to that, you know, that being said, um, we broke up. It was like a mutual thing. And, and I didn't want a relationship. I was like, play the field. I'm free. Woo. <laughs> and I meet Deanna. 
And, and I'm like, shit. How'd you meet her? Uh, we were, I was visiting North Carolina because I was living in Virginia at the time. And uh, my best friend at the time, that, that he lived with me. Um, we went to high school together and everything. Um, we were visiting my family and his sister uh, who lived in North Carolina. It was her birthday that weekend. And so we went to go visit her and she was there and we hit it off. And it like was at the party. Yeah, it was this weird, like, it's hard to explain. It was like this, like, we knew each other almost like this synergy. It was weird. So you were at the birthday party yeah, for your sister. Or, or, no, friend's for sister. For my friend's oh, sister. Oh, friend's sister. And we just. And um, she was like a friend of yeah, the friend's like a friend sister. Of, yeah, like somehow they knew each other. And it was just this weird, like, um, I went from that whole I'm out to like just have fun and do whatever and play the field or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing I know, we're like talking on the phone for hours and and I'm taking trips to North Carolina on the weekends and and cell phones had just come out. So I had a StarTac <laughs> flip phone and I think I ran up a like I think it was my first thing that ever went to collections. I ran up a, like a twelve hundred dollar <laughs> cell phone bill because it turns out that's not magic, and it you Cost run money. out of minutes. And yeah, I was twenty and didn't know shit. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, like six months later, we were married. Wow! And wow. she had yeah. two kids already. Yeah, two and four. She, right. Yeah. She'd already been married. Yeah, she told me that to try to scare me away, and I thought she was just saying it. <laughs> and. Um, and uh, like you didn't really think there were kids. No, I, I knew it was, <laughs> but I think she thought it was going to make me like run the other way. Yeah. That's awesome, though. Yeah. Most guys these days would be like, bye. I mean, on paper, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, yeah. 20 anyone, is so young. Like you don't for anyone know to get married yourself at all. But I also think a lot of my growth as a human being has happened because of all these experiences, because I, I don't know what I would have gotten into in my early 20s had this happened, you know, and being single and and not really know. And, and it kind of lived a bit of a sheltered life growing up, you know, so I wasn't around like a lot of drugs or alcohol or anything like that. Well, maybe alcohol. But um, so I was just kind of like that whole scene, like getting into this business was very, very new to me. And had I not had that anchor, I don't, I'm not sure what I would have gotten into. But. Well, and you had, a, you know, going back to American Idol just briefly. It's feeling like therapy. You had a really, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell me your feelings. Okay. Um, but it, you had a great season of filled with people who are in the business the best. today. It I was mean, the best. Catherine McPhee, Kelly Pickler, um, Bucky, like you yeah, said, Elliot Mandisa. Yamin, uh, Ace Young. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, gosh, I mean Taylor Hicks. Taylor Hicks. Um, <laughs> they all, all actually, you know, we all got along great, and it was yeah. all like a fun thing. Yeah, it was really cool. Do you, is there? Do you feel like you're part of that? Like, is there an American Idol connection to people? Do you people keep in touch? I feel like I would go to a reunion of that before my high school reunion okay. because oh. just because I feel like I've had more contact with that group of people in the last 20 years than I ever did with people I went to high school with. Do you ever hear from Simon or keep in touch with him? No, I don't. Um, uh, we did, 
briefly uh, there for a minute, but um, he probably blocked me or something, changed, uh, changed his number. Uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, we, you know, it's funny because we, we never really got a chance to hang much. You, you see the judges when the people on TV see them. Wow. So like when we walk out on stage and they're in their seats, that's when we saw them too. Um, every now and then we'd see them passing through the dressing rooms, whatever, but they were on a different level of dressing rooms. So we were isolated from them, maybe for good reason, you know, obviously, you know, there was a lot of stuff that happened in the past that from, uh, judges being too close to contestants. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that that had something to do with it. But, um, every now and then I'd, uh, we, I'd probably had more contact with Randy, um, on a, day-to-day basis not just in passing like he was always super personable and it was always cool to catch up with so i've probably caught up with him and uh ryan oh yeah more than any anyone ryan because he's like everywhere i go like tv (laughs) shows radio like (laughs) he's everywhere but it's interesting because that's what maddie poppy said too so maddie was the winner obviously of the new season um and she said the same thing. She was like, you see them on, you know, when you see them. Because we were like, oh, did they yeah. mentor you? She was like, no, they, they just, yeah. whatever they said to me, you saw. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because you have this whole idea, I guess, of like this mentorship. But it's like, no, they're judging you based on that performance. Yeah. And that's what yeah, you Yeah, sometimes, they, you know, at, at the end of the episodes, they would come up to the stage and we'd shoot the shit. And, and they would say stuff to us personally. But it was always super brief. And then, all right, got to go. Right. Well, well what, what I do wonder, though, and is is that after the show's over, like, if they're not really giving you mentorship, are there producers that do? Like, how do you get connections or for the next step or suggestions for the next step? They have, how, they have people that, um, yes, the producers sometimes chime in if they – think that you're picking a song that just is going to go over like a fart in church or something. You know, like, <laughs> and they're just expression. like, nobody knows, nobody knows this song. Why would you pick this? And which happened to me quite a bit. And there were times <laughs> where I just threw the finger up and said, I'm doing this song. Um, because it, for me, it wasn't about like whether it was a memorable tune. It was like, if I was going to make a record, this is the type of song I would do. So at least I want it to, to, I want it, I want people to know exactly what, what I'm about musically. So at least it's not like I saw him do this, but his record is so vastly different. I wanted people to know like, this is the kind of thing that I do. And um, so a lot of times I was picking songs that, that nobody knew, like the queen song innuendo. I didn't even know that song until I heard it. <laughs> and, but I liked, you know, I thought I could do it well. And I remember Simon coming up to me and, he said, why would you pick this song? This song is terrible. You missed a great opportunity. This was after I sang it, like on, on the stage, he like came up and was like, you should have done like under pressure or something that everybody knows. And, uh, cause it was queen week. And I was like, yeah, but we just did that in the, like the montage, like the group yeah. thing. He goes, it doesn't matter. You could have had a moment. I was like, I think I did. And it was a great week for me. So, uh-huh. so there was, Simon there were times there were, well, not necessarily wrong. I mean, he is right. I would have probably gotten way more attention if it was a song that everybody knew and it was a, a very classic hit. Um, but I wasn't even thinking on those levels. I was thinking like, I like this. Yeah, <laughs> it was as so simple as like, it. I like this. I'm going to do it. Well, um, the, the reason I was asking about like at the end of the show for people who are like finalists 
or um, how to take their their how do they get know what to do to take their careers to the next level? Yeah. Because even on a on oh a sorry show, I didn't even go get to that yeah, point. So there just, there are okay. people that that choose songs or or give you they they give you parameters like uh, okay so it's it's fifties week. Here's all the cleared songs, like all the songs that 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 publishing has cleared, and you're not going to have a problem singing this. Like there's certain artists that won't clear the songs. Like I think at the time we couldn't do any Elton John, which really upset me because I wanted to do some Elton John so bad. Um, but I remember 50s week and I was like, so this is a bit of my process. Like, okay, I don't know shit about the 50s. But I see Johnny Cash. I'm like, okay, I like Johnny Cash, but I don't do country. And I'm not going to do uh Johnny Cash's version of Walk the Line, but I my favorite band had a version of it, and that was my loophole. So I would always like find like how to make this relate to what I do. Like I found their version of Walk the Line, and then I did that. Right. And that, but at the end of the like when you're leaving the show, mm-hmm. do they give you, hey, here's connections to X? Yeah, what happened when you got voted off? I had meetings with pretty much every record label. I mean, I don't know have. If that happened for, I don't know, whatever. Did they reach out to you? Management. uh, So, so 19 Entertainment chose to manage me. Like they, they have the right or right of refusal, so to speak, to, to pick you up and, and, and shop you around to different labels or whatever. And they picked me up immediately. So, um, I, I was fortunate enough to have people in my corner out the gate. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case for everyone. I think if they don't have an interest, then it's like Yikes. thrown to the wolves. Right. And and I mean, essentially, I was too. Really, I mean, you you have people that that introduce you and get you the connections, and and then you still have to Hustle. do the work. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I I ask. Okay. I uh, the reason I ask that is just that I feel like a lot of the shows get criticized. Like American Idol, a lot of you went on to have big careers, but then The Voice, like people are, well, what happened to the winners? What happened to the people? Yeah. And um, so there seems to be different shows have different results in terms of their talent Honestly, I think, actually I think having it's, careers. I think it's probably more to do with the um, oversaturation of just music. There's so many ways to get music out there now that there are more artists coming out on Friday than if than used to come out in an entire year. You know what I mean? Like anyone can get their music out there now. So I think people's attention span is so spread thin that that a lot of artists don't get the the attention that they deserve because there's so much out there to listen to. And it's like, oh, next song. Oh, I don't know if I like this. Oh, next artist. Oh, there's a new artist. Oh, who the shit is this? You know, it's like <laughs> every week it's, it's like 50 different people on Spotify and you don't know where to look. There's too much. Well, With that you, being said, you know, the there are still a lot of artists that, that do you rise. Know, rise to the top. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, for everybody who wants um, to see you, where do they find all your tour information? DaughtryOfficial.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Daughtry. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Chris Daughtry. There's a lot of Daughtry going on. It's really redundant. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, all the tour information is updated regularly on our website, and um, hopefully we'll catch you out there on the road. Yeah, so everybody, catch um, catch Chris and Daughtry on the road, and get his album, Cage to Rattle, whoop, whoop. and uh, make sure you, aside from the singles I mentioned before, it's 
as you are. Yes. As you are. Yes. Love okay. it. Hit the love song. Yes. The love is, song. That is all the, about. That is all the feelings. Okay, all the feelings. Well, I know what I'm playing next. Oh, yes. gosh. Thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> Thank you. Come see us again. Absolutely. Goodbye. Okay,